0: one, two, three. All right. This is the time in our worship service where somebody preaches to you, and I have one job this morning, and that is to bring you to Christ, because that's what you need from me. Uh, it's Easter Sunday. You look good, but you don't need me to flatter you about that. You don't need me to pander to you. You do not need me to hit you with some kind of beautiful rhetoric You just need me to speak very directly to you and to lead your soul to what we call 200-proof gospel. You know how that works with alcohol? 200-proof means it's all alcohol. 200-proof gospel. That's my service of you this morning. Uh, Jesus' apostle Paul said these words to the people that he preached to. He said, I was resolved to know nothing among you. Speak nothing among you except for Christ crucified. Now, that doesn't mean that he preached the same exact sermon a kabillion times. And it doesn't mean that he never did anything but speak on the doctrine of the cross. It means that he would not wander far from the grace of God in the gospel because of Jesus. And we are committed to doing that too. So I'm going to give you Christ today, and because it's Easter Sunday, you can click this one more, not just Christ, but the risen Christ, the power of an indestructible life. Anybody see Ready Player One this week? Anybody saw that? There's no Comic-Con 80s freaks in here? All right, next week, they have plans. Good. Invite me. I didn't see the movie, but I did read the book. About 25 pages into this um, 1980s pop culture virtual reality story, the protagonist, the gunter, Wade slash Parzival, says these words. This is what he says. The whole God thing is actually a fairy tale that people have been telling each other for thousands of years. But we made it all up like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. Who's heard that kind of thing before? You live in Boston in 2018. You've heard that statement before, right? This is the dogma of our day, and it sounds so snarky and sarcastic and progressive and cool and cute. The problem is this doesn't fly when we're talking about the Christian gospel. There are some faiths that have been made up out of whole cloth, and you can say this kind of thing if you want about them, but that is not the truth that we are presenting to you this morning. Say it like this, Jesus, Santa Claus, and the Easter Bunny, which doesn't belong and why? It's Jesus because Jesus was a real man from a real village really a real hood, grew up in the projects, who said some really wild and did some really wild things. And then he was really crucified on a real cross with real thorns and real nails and a real spear. And he was buried in a real tomb. And he was really dead. And 100%, really rose from the dead to everyone surprised with real blood pumping through his real veins. Right now, in this moment right now, Easter Sunday 2018, Anno Domini, Jesus is alive and more alive than anyone has ever been before and never to die again. If not, if Jesus is just our version of Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny, we should pack this whole thing up and go do something more productive. There's a Melrose Running Club that works on Sunday mornings. At least you could be in shape. They have a league down at the Y right now with real referees for old basketball players like me. Paulie, Roy, we can go do that on Sundays. Or whatever your preferred time killer is, let's go do that. But we don't because... This gospel is true. That's what I'm announcing to you. We are here because God, the Father, has acted in real time to ransom sinners for His glory, for your eternal joy, and He did it by sending Christ to atone for your sins and then rise for your future. That's why we are here. I love the way Kevin DeYoung says it in his book on the Heidelberg Catechism. He says, Easter is not about Jesus living on in his teachings. It is not about the experience of Jesus coming to life in the hearts of his disciples. And I would say it's not about us spiritually co-opting Easter because it's springtime and things are about to come to life eventually in this cold city. He says, no, it is about a divine Galilean whose heart pumped blood again, whose lungs filled with oxygen again. Here's how your Bible says it. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And we are of all people the most to be pitied. I love that the Bible owns this totally willing to admit it, but then it says this, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, not in our hearts, not in our campfire stories, not in our sentimental devotionals, not in our wishful thinking, the, the Bible declares, in fact, He is risen, That's what we're here to celebrate. All I'm going to do today is walk you through two verses of Scripture, the ones that Katie read today. They're from the book of Hebrews in the back of your Bible. And in those words, we're going to clearly see that the brute and beautiful fact of the resurrection and the beautiful things that it means for us. All right, so let's pray and we'll hit it together. Father, be gracious to everybody who's here. We are all in a million different places in our journey, but I pray that wherever we are on that map, you would speak clearly to us through your word, by your spirit, as you promised. That's, that's just what I ask for. Do what you said that you'd do, uh, but I ask that with boldness, so hear my prayer. Amen. All right, have you ever had the weird experience of all of a sudden something that was not on your radar at all, something that you never noticed before, comes onto your radar, and it's everywhere that you look. Have you had that experience before? This happens with cars, right? You buy a new black Honda Accord. You swear to God, you've never seen another black Honda Accord in your entire life. What happens at every stoplight and stop sign the next six months? There's black Honda Accords everywhere. Where did they come from? This happens with baby names, right? You named your baby Emma, or Olivia, or Ava, and then all of a sudden, what happens? The next 77 little baby girls that you meet, this is Emma, this is Olivia, this is Ava. You know, Heather and Michael named their baby boy Jackson. I had never met a baby in my life whose name was Jackson. I thought it was super cool. Then I just was online the other day and it was the hottest baby names of 2017 and you know who's at the top of the list? Jackson. Number one. They're going to be everywhere now. Justin and Mariah had a baby boy. They named him Zachariah. That was their way of being sure that nobody's stepping on their toes with that baby name. You feel that? That happens to us. This was the experience of the early church. Nobody saw the resurrection of Jesus coming. Nobody saw it coming. Even when Jesus talked with them about it, it just went right over their heads because they, it just didn't register. What is he talking about? There's no such thing. I've never seen anybody risen from the dead. But when it did happen, and those disciples and hundreds with them saw Jesus, heard Jesus, touched Jesus, ate with Jesus, what happened? They began to reread their Bibles and the Older Covenant with new eyes, and now they saw resurrection everywhere. For example, the verse that McCann read to you to open our service, it's a messianic psalm. That means it's about the coming of the Christ, the Son of David. And everybody knew that part, But there was this one line in there that no one knew what to do with. Here's what it said. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. Read that, didn't know what to do with it. Who serves as a priest forever? How could that even happen? What would it look like for somebody to come along who those words can honestly be said about them? It was a riddle, a Rubik's Cube, for hundreds and hundreds of years. But then Jesus comes, and he atones for our sin like a priest on the cross. And then he rises from the dead, and they talk and eat with him. And then he ascends to the Father, and they go, Oh, Jesus is a priest forever. That truth Jesus is a priest forever, is the one that the verses that Katie unpacks for us. And so let's work to understand those words together. Here we go. All right. The first thing she read was this. Jesus has become a priest. Okay. What in the world is that? At the start of the book of Hebrews, we were told that Jesus has two titles, apostle and priest. And we said to you, Apostle is the one who brings God down to you and does it with his words. The ministry of preaching is apostolic, declaring to you truth about God, brings God to you. But what does a priest do? A priest brings you to God, opposite direction. Somehow, a priest makes it possible for you and me, sinners, to. To come into the presence of, to be reunited with, to be at peace with God. Okay, imperfect analogy, but this one might help. Spring break, 1993, that's when I was a sophomore in college. Me and seven buddies went on spring break to Panama City Beach on the Panhandle in Florida. We stayed in the rattiest beachfront motel that you have ever seen in your life. I swear, when we checked out, dudes from the EPA in hazmat suits came in and blowtorched the whole place to the ground. That's how nasty this was. First morning we hit the beach together, we were going to be out there all day, and one of my buddies, Dino, takes some sunscreen and he applies it to himself. But this is all he did. That was the full application of his sunscreen on that day. He wiped a V on his chest. We were out there for nine hours. Next day he wakes up and he is neon red, glowing, except for this wicked bright white V right in the middle of his chest. I have the pictures to show you. All right, my friend messed up the execution, but he had the right idea. He knew... If he was going to spend the day in the presence of the sun, he needed some protection. You can't just waltz around in the sun for nine hours. His skin was not qualified for that relationship. Ramp that up to infinity and you get what a priest does for us. enables us to be in relationship with God whose holiness makes the sun look like a piece of charcoal. And this text says that Jesus has become that kind of a priest for us. He protects us. He qualifies us. He accompanies us. He intercedes for us. He makes a way for us to enjoy the joyful presence of God. All right, now, if you know the details of the Older Covenant, you probably want to go, hey, Cruz, time out so what there was a lot of priests in the older covenant you know did you miss the book of leviticus in your devotional reading because it's all about the priests that did this for god's people true there were priests but not like this one and this writer shows it to us in two different ways he anchors to the fact of the resurrection and he says jesus's priesthood started better And Jesus' priesthood ends better. Let's feel those two things. Here was the next verse Jesus has become a priest. Feel this with me. Not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent. All right. This is a reference to how all of the priests of the older covenant got their job. Does anybody know what nepotism is? All right. Nepotism is, if I have it right, when somebody gets their job just because of who they're related to. So my day job is with a school district, I won't mention it, but we have mastered the art of nepotism. There are 1,200 employees in this school district, and every one of them is related to somebody else in the school district. That's how that works. In the older covenant, God organized his people this way, by tribes. There was 12 of them, one for each of the sons of Jacob. Uh, Brendan, how many basketball teams in the NBA? 30 teams in the NBA, 30. And they all have names, right? The best one is Celtics, thank you. All right, that was getting scary up here for a second. Then there's ridiculous names like the Lakers in Los Angeles, which is by an ocean, and the (laughs) And check this one out, the Pelicans. Did you know this? They named an NBA team, the Pelicans. All right, it's the same thing with God's people in the Older Covenant. The tribes were named after one of the sons of Jacob. So Reuben was the Reubenites, and Dan's was the Danites, and Benjamin was the Benjaminites. One of those tribes, the tribe of Levi, or the Levites, God said, You guys are going to serve as priests for everybody else. They would be the ones who would represent the people into the presence of God so that God could dwell among the people. In order to be a priest, one rule, you had to be from the line of Levi, bodily descent, nepotism with a capital N. It was based on your biological DNA, This is how you became a priest. But then comes Jesus. And he's not from the tribe of Levi. He's from the tribe of Judah. And that means if he's going to be made a priest, the start of his priesthood has to be completely different. And that is exactly what we get. Jesus has become a priest, not on the basis of a bodily requirement and bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. Okay. If you had to have a priest, which would you rather it be? The one who was born into it or the one who was risen from the dead into the job? That's an easy choice. Our boy John Calvin says it like this. Feel these words. Unlike the Levitical ordination, It wasn't a mortal man who consecrated Jesus, but the Holy Spirit. And that not with oil, like with Levi's sons, not with the blood of goats, not with the outward pomp or vestments, but with celestial power. Boom. I love this. The one true priest who goes between you and God and makes you right with God, and intercedes before God for you, is no ordinary, nepotistic, biological, weak, sinful, dying Levite. No, he is the Lion of Judah, the risen Christ, sinless, and don't miss that word from the text, indestructible. You feel that? So we have a way better start to Jesus' priesthood. And then we have a way better end to Jesus' priesthood. And by that I mean, we have no end at all. He's not only become a superior priest, but he has become a superior priest forever. Here's how Katie read it to us. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in their office. Okay, I don't know if this is good, but I always think of the older covenant priests like the other karate guys in a Bruce Lee movie, or the orcs in The Lord of the Rings, or the other heads of the families in The Godfather. What happens with all those characters? There's like lots of them, and as soon as they come into the frame, they're gone. And they come into the frame, and they're gone. And they die, and they die, and they die, and they die and they die. Not one of these guys was a priest forever. And that signaled that something was wrong with the older covenant. The ones that the people were counting on to make them right with God just just couldn't actually get that work done. They wore out. Okay, this is true of all earthly realities, right? So you could give me examples. I'll give you a couple. Couches. Do you know that we are on our third set of couches in the seventeen years since Matt has been born in the cruise house? Okay, why? Is it because we're materialistic and we get bored and we want the fancy new couch every couple of years? Has anyone seen what children can do to couches? It is unbelievable. The Melrose Health Health Inspector had to knock on my door and say, Hey, listen, I know you don't like to spend money. But you got to replace these couches because they're putting your your whole neighborhood in danger. The stuff that's living in there and just the couches wear out. Sneakers are this way. Six months ago, I was playing ball at the Y and I'm sliding all over the place trying to do my drop steps. And I got home and I flipped my D-roses over and they were like a baby's bottom just smooth. I was like, what happened? I just bought These. Grace was like, you bought those six years ago. <laughs> I had to, get, had to get some new LeBron Soldier 11s. Had to do it. What's going to happen in two years? I'm going to flip them over and they're going to be worn out and I'm going to need new ones. Razors are the same way. I swear they get you with the razors. Is this true or not? You know they could make those things sharper than they do. Three, four shaves. I got a lot to shave, you know. And I'm like, this thing's already worn out, and I need a new razor. I want, I got a conspiracy theory about that, but (laughs) razors wear out. You could give me all the examples that you want. It was the same thing with the priesthood. Year after year, after year after year, hey, who's the new priest? Is this guy going to make us right with God for real? Hey, who's the next one? And in a temporary sense, they were doing beautiful work, but ah, they would wear out. But then in comes Jesus, and this is what we read about him. But Jesus has his priesthood, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Okay, do you hear the word forever in there? Let's work on that word together. It's one of those Hebrew words that needs the context to establish the meaning. Sometimes this just means a really long time. Well, we would say a wicked long time, forever. You use this in your Bostonian slang all the time, like this. Ray Flynn was the mayor of Boston forever. Who's, who said that before? Now, it wasn't forever, but it felt like it. Hilltop Steakhouse was on Route 1 forever. It's forever. Everyone keeps telling me now when they drive by. jagger has been around forever. And I'm like, yes, look at that face, and you mean forever, like in the intense sense of that term. Goodness gracious, how long has he been around? We're using that word to just say a really long time. Sometimes the Bible uses this word to mean all the way down to the end of an age or the end of an epoch or the end of a reality. Um, I played high school basketball at Dom Savio in East Boston. The guy who ran the clock was named Sonny Fantasia. Totally favored the home team. I know that's not like fair, but there'd be like six seconds left in the game. If we had the ball, it would be like 13 seconds. If the other team had the ball, they would catch it and the game would end. (laughs) This was Sonny's way and Sonny ran that clock forever. There was nobody else ever touching that clock. He ran that clock through the birth of his children, illnesses, pneumonia. It didn't matter. He was there he ran the clock forever. Sonny is no longer the timekeeper at Dom Savio High School. Why? Because there is no more Dom Savio High School. You feel that? If there was, that man would have endured to the end. He was the keeper forever, but you know what I mean. There's, there's no school anymore, so, so not forever. Forever. That's the way your older covenant uses that word. You'll see it in there. It talks about the law continuing forever, but it means until the gospel arrived to replace it. Then sometimes forever means forever, like capital F, forever. And the only way for that to be true in this sentence is if Jesus somehow beat death and was going to live forever. And that is the sense in which Hebrews 7 uses this word, insistent with us that there are to be no more priests ever because Jesus is never dying again. He is a priest that doesn't need to be replaced. He is banging an indestructible life. Whoa. In other words, if you have Jesus as your priest, you are good forever. Not for a decade, not for a century, not for a millennium, all the way down. And there's no other priest who can promise that. I love what Shylin does with this truth in his track, Jesus is Alive, in his album, The Atonement. All he does in this entire song is catalog All the different priests, all the different priests that Americans have looked to, to bring us joy and peace and hope. And he says, all of their priesthoods have ended. They're dead. That's basically this rap. He starts with our pop culture priests. I won't rap, but here's what he says. Jimi Hendrix is dead. Janis Joplin is dead. Marilyn Monroe is dead. James Brown is dead. John Lennon is dead. Biggie Smalls is dead. Tupac is dead. And then he goes, but Jesus is alive. Then there's some hip-hop. Then he goes into the philosophical priests. Plato is dead. Socrates is dead. Aristotle is dead. Immanuel Kant is dead. Frederick Nietzsche is dead. Charles Darwin is dead. But Jesus is still alive. Then he hits the religious priests. Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. Aaron, the first Levite, is dead. Gandhi is dead. But Jesus is still alive. Then he moves to our political priests. Nero is dead. Constantine is dead. Genghis Khan is dead. Alexander the Great, he's dead. Napoleon is dead. JFK is dead. Malcolm X is dead. Che Guevara is dead. And if you wait a little while, all the other political priests that we are throwing our hopes on will be dead. And you can keep playing the rap because Jesus will still be alive. What is his point? Unlike all earthly priests that we have ever looked to, or ever will look to, only Jesus lasts. Okay, then he lands the plane with this verse. Consequently, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Okay, now I just read that very peacefully, but your ears should be pinned back like you are on some kind of a jet plane Hearing that verse of scripture, oh man. The end is everything we've been saying. He always lives to make intercession for you. Jesus is a priest forever. It's just another way to say that. But I love the implication here. He says, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost. That's a word that we don't use too often. It means completely or at all times. In other words, if you have Jesus, you are good all the way down, all the way out. His work for you never fades, never skips a beat, never hesitates, never stalls out, never runs out of gas, never comes to an end, never forever. Our kids are obsessed with expiration dates. You know, they come on your milk and your food, obsessed with it. These kids will not even drink milk if it's like four days before the date. We threw out perfectly good Hershey bars still in the wrapper because it said October 2017. I'm like, come on, they're still in the wrapper. Julia seriously threw away a perfectly good bottle of caramel that you put on top of stuff. Because it was a couple of weeks old. I'm like, it's caramel. There's milk in there, Dad. (laughs) Hear these words. Because of the resurrection, there is no expiration date on Jesus' work for you. None. There's nothing that can come down the pike this week, next season, next year. No situation. Nothing possible where Christ will not be able to intervene and intercede for you. Our church exists to love you and to lead you to that unbelievable truth that with Jesus, you're good forever. All right. Last thing, who is this promise for? Who is this promise for? Those who draw near to God through Jesus. So through Jesus is everything that I've been preaching to you. Without him, you're done. With him, you're good. But those who draw near to God, what is that? You can't see it in the tense up here, but you can see it in the Greek words behind this. This is the tense called present continuous action. And I'm not trying to be fancy with you for that. I'm trying to help you feel something. In other words, it is not saying those who drew near to God one time back there in their history, but those who present, continuous action, who draw near to God through Jesus and draw near to God through Jesus and draw near to God through Jesus. A few years ago, Grace and I were in Long Beach, California. We were at a conference retreat. It was the summertime. So we said, hey, let's make that our family vacation. We'll just put the four kids on a plane, and they can meet us out there. So we had all of our awesome lover time for three days, and then we went to the Long Beach Airport. There's not even uh, gates there. The kids got to walk off steps to get to the thing, and we wrapped our kids up at midnight, and we did family vacation in Long Beach, California. The Aquarium of the Pacific was right across the street from where we were staying. So we said, boom, let's do that one day. I went online to see about ticket prices, and this is weird but true. It was cheaper for us to become lifetime members of the Museum of the Pacific, of the Aquarium of the Pacific, than to just get six day passes for the family. So here's what I did. I drew near to the counter, and I said, I would like to become a member of the Aquarium of the Pacific. What I didn't say was, I live in Boston, and I'm never going to be in Long Beach again, and I'm never going to visit the aquarium again. I drew near one time, and that's it. That is not these words. This is every moment of your life, every day of your life, every season of your life, every circumstance of your life. In Christ, the central identity, rhythm, the ground of your life changes. You begin to draw near to God through Christ as the norm of who you are. You go after God through Jesus, and you know you are good every step of the way. I get to ask you today, is that, has that become your story? So Easter Sunday is a really cool Sunday for a church. Generally, there's three types of people in the room in a gospel-centered church that's gonna try and preach gospel to you. One is people who have just never drawn near to God through Jesus. You've never even taken that first step toward him. I, I hope you feel invited to come into the glories of the grace of God through Jesus from these words of scripture. Sometimes there are people here who drew near to Jesus this one time, a wicked long time ago. And it's Easter, so they grab something pink and ironed, and they come do their Easter check-in. That's not how this works. If Jesus is your priest, he is your priest because your identity has changed, and the rhythm of your life has changed, and you are leaning into him now and forever. And then there is the third kind of person who knows that we're done without Christ. And so I'm drawing near to God again today through Jesus, and then again tomorrow through Jesus. That is the rhythm that we are inviting you to, and I promise you, when you do that, Christ will be a good priest to you forever. Let's pray together. Jesus, remember we remember Peter when you said some hard things and you said, hey, do you guys want to leave too? And he said, where else am I going to go? Only you have the words of life. We resonate with that truth. Where else are we going to go if we don't have Christ? There's no way for us to come into the joys of relationship with God. But you have made that way and not for 15 minutes not for one lifetime, but for good all the way down forever. You are able to save everyone in this room and their children to the uttermost. And we rejoice in that today. I pray for anybody in here who has never drawn near once that they would feel their souls moving toward God in Christ. I pray for anybody in here who thinks that because they checked in one time a long time ago, they're good that they would realize that's not the rhythm of the gospel life, and they would begin in a new way today to draw near to you. And I pray for those of us who are just so broken and such a mess, but holding on to the hope that you are for us, that you would be with us as we draw near to you this Easter in the rest of this service. Jesus, you're alive more beautifully, more permanently than any of us. And because of that, we know that we too will live with you, world without end. Give us the faith to see it, the strength to believe it, I pray. Amen. Awesome.